You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. And the title of my sermon is, Do You Love Me? This is not me, Jesus. Do you love me? Starting with verse 15, it says the following. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also leaned on the breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who will betray you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Father, make alive this word by the powerful Holy Spirit. Give me liberty and boldness to share And Lord, let us have openness of heart and mind to receive in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to give a backstory. It's amazing. This is all listed in Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John about the story of Peter. We know that Peter was commissioned by Jesus to be the first head of the church, the senior pastor of all of the other pastors. And he's a And we kind of can identify with Peter because he's always putting his foot in his mouth. Uh, Let's put it this way. I identify with Peter. So, uh, and I see Peter, he's out there and Jesus begins to tell him what's going to happen to him. And Peter was this strong character and he said, I will never deny you. In fact, I will lay down my life for you. And then when Jesus said, no, you're all going to leave me. You look at some of the other apostles. He said these words. They all may leave you. They all may stumble. But me, I got your back. He said, I will even die for you. Man, strong words. But Jesus told him, and every, it, the, all of the apostles, I mean, all the gospels re- relayed this message. He said, Peter, Satan has desired you. 
He's asked for you to sift you like wheat. And he says, but I have prayed for you. And when you have returned, meaning that you're going to leave me, and when you have returned, I want you to strengthen my brethren. He said, you're going to deny me, Peter. He says, I will never deny you. Fast forward. All the, all the um, gospels relate to this. He's in the courtyard. He's warming himself by the fire. The maid looked at him, looked at his face. He said, aren't you one of them that follow Jesus? Here's his answer. I don't know the man. Someone else came along to him. They said the same thing. Something similar was said in every gospel. In fact, the third time he said it, it said he vehemently cursed and swore. I do not know the man. Now, one of the most heart-wrenching scriptures, I believe, in the, in the whole New Testament is Luke twenty-two sixty-one, And the passion picks it up so powerfully because he said, as Jesus was walking, I mean, they had him, and they were walking him by, taking him outside. I mean, they walked by Peter. It says, Jesus turned and looked at him. And Peter, the Bible said, remembered the words that Jesus said. And he ran out weeping bitterly. Think about this. I'm telling you what, he did, he did deny the Lord. You know, when we sin, it's a form of denying God. It's denying Jesus. We can't just look at Peter and say, well, he messed up. We all messed up. There's all things we've done. When, when you sin, you actually are hurting Jesus, not just yourself. And so Jesus appears first to the 10 disciples. Then he appears to the 11. We have, how does I have a name? Doubting Thomas. You know, you're, you're, you're in heaven. Where's Doubting Thomas? He's not doubting anymore. Amen. And so then we go to the third time and it says there's seven disciples Paul, and Peter says, I go fishing. He said, why would they go fishing? Well, I, I thought about it. Maybe the economics weren't looking that good. I mean, Jesus was around. He had a treasure. Well, the treasure, he, he died. And Lord knows what happened to all the money. So maybe this being expeditious, let's get some money here. Seven left. They fished all night, caught absolutely nothing. I know I've been there. You know what it's like to go fishing and catch nothing? You feel like, I want to whip the water with a fishing line? And then all of a sudden, they see this man, and the Bible says no one knew who he was. It's like the two men on the road to Emmaus. Jesus hid himself from them. They didn't even know who it was. That's why angels can appear unawares. You don't even know it's an angel. So he hid himself. And he says to them, he calls out in the still of the day. It's just the sun is just beginning to come up. It's early dawn. And they're about 100 yards out. And he says to them, Cast the, he says, first, have you caught any fish, guys? No. He said, cast the net on the right side of the ship. And I've been to the Sea of Galilee. It is crystal clear. The reason you fish at night is so the fish can go into your net. When the sun comes up, the fish aren't that dumb. He said, cast your net. Can, can you imagine, Peter, who is that guy? 
We might as well do it anyway. They threw it over. And the Bible says a huge catch of fish, 153. And it says not small fish, large fish. And the net never broke. And John the Apostle said, it's the Lord. Now, Peter, in his exuberance, he, he literally just puts on his outer coat and just jumps in the water. He just starts, I got to get to Jesus. I got to get to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 has something telling. It talks about the appearing of Jesus. It talks about how he appeared to 500, how he appeared to 12. But then it says the first, he said he appeared to Peter alone. Sometime before this, Jesus had to appear to Peter. And they had to make it right. And so here's Peter, here's Jesus the second time. He sees him over there and he wants to get to him because of his love. He feels so bad. He hurt his friend. And he races up to Jesus. And Jesus says, help bring the fish in. They drag the fish in, they count them. And Jesus is so cool. Jesus is always serving. All of a sudden there's a fire. They see a fire with fish being cooked. And I've actually been to the Sea of Galilee and eaten St. Peter's fish, that's what they call it, the little tiny tilapias. And they cook it over a grill, just like Jesus did. And it's delicious. They're black on the outside, but white on the inside, and it's better than anything I've ever eaten here. So they had the fish and he had the bread. Where did Jesus get that? Well, folks, if you could throw Saturn, Mars, and, and Venus in space, maybe he just, there it is, amen. But he was thinking about them. And as they sat and ate that food, then Jesus had to put call to Peter. He said, Peter, come here. And he takes off walking down the beach because it was a private conversation. He said, Peter, do you love me? He says, do you love me with an intense, burning love of devotion? It says in the Arab, Aramaic, huba, H-O-O-B-A-H. It says in the Greek, it's the agape love. Do you love me with intense devotion? Supreme. A giving. Completely without reservation love. And Peter, because you remember how rambunctious he was before? He said, I'm better than anybody. I'll never deny you. He's now a humble Peter. He's not the same Peter. He said, when Jesus said, do you love me more than these? Because remember that Peter said he loved everyone more than those guys. So he took a humble stance. He said, Lord, you know I love you. And he answered back with a more subdued love. That love is a phileo love, meaning that I love you affectionately as a friend. Then Jesus says, Feed my lambs. The lambs are newborn believers. They're the new ones that have come to Christ. They come to the altar. They just received Christ. They need tender care. They need help. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? Then tend to my sheep. To tend means to guard, protect, to guide, de defend. And then he says the third time, Peter, do you love me? In fact, the third time, Jesus condescended to where Peter was. Instead of using the powerful, devoted love, he said, do you love me as a friend? Now, Peter, he says, Lord, you know all things mean that I messed up before. You told me I would deny you three times before the cock crew. 
and I did. How many know the Bible? Jesus said this, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We got to build up the spirit, man, so the flesh comes under subjection. Because Peter acted out of fear. So he's humbled now. He's a different kind of Peter. He says, you know everything, Jesus. He said, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. He's saying that to Peter. He says, if you love me. And then he goes on to to share what kind of death that he would die. And history tells us that he died by crucifixion. One day you'll stretch out your hands. What the Romans would do, they would take a spar, what you were going to be hung on, and tie your hands to the spar, and you went to your place of execution with your hands stretched out. And history says that Peter would not allow himself to be crucified as his Lord, but he was crucified upside down. But here's the good news. He was telling Peter, you will finish your course. You will literally give your life for me. And so Peter turns around, what about John? Don't we all do that? It's none of your business. This is between you and me. Can I say this with you? It's a very personal thing. It's between you and Jesus. He says, you follow me. But we get something out of this passage, which is huge. If you love Jesus, he asks the question, do you love me? If you say yes, then he has a job for you to do. Every believer has a job for Jesus. Now, if you don't love him, you're off the hook. But if you say you love him, he needs you in his body because there are sheep, there are lambs, there are needs all over in the body of Christ. And in the eyes of Jesus, he needs each and every one of us to do our part. Because that's how we demonstrate our love to him. And I believe the greatest motive is love. It is without a doubt. We don't do it out of legalism. But we do it out of a heart for loving Jesus. I'm telling you, Peter lived with Jesus for three and a half years. He saw love in action. He saw Jesus serve everywhere he went. And Jesus, even when he was serving them, even when he was meeting them at the beach, I mean, Jesus had to figure out, these guys are going to be fishing and frustrated, but I'm going to serve them with my kindness and love. And I'm going to meet Peter, who's kind of thrashing out there, hurting, and I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to minister to him. And I'm going to serve him with breakfast. And I'm going to serve him. I'm going to lead him to a place where he understands that life is all about serving the one who saved him. Because he who's forgiven much loves much. And when you understand how much Jesus has done for you, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. When that we have, that, that, that God gave his self through his son, Jesus Christ, to show how much he loves you. But then he asks this question, do you love me in return? It's a haunting question. Do you really love me? We want to say yes, and we need to say yes. So it says here, in, and I found my new translation. I go through different ones I like. The good news is one of my more favorite ones just recently. And to be a person that Jesus is going to use 
It has to come to the first word. He's going to require you to surrender to him. You have to surrender to him completely. It's like you've got to be all in. So it says in Romans 12, 1, in the good news, so then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. He said, let me get that for you. If they're calling me, I'll answer. I'll tell them, well, why aren't you in service? You could be in service today. Worship is the highest form of expressing love and devotion. When you worship God, saying, God, I love you. Your focus is on him. You lift him. You exalt him. You give him glory. And he's saying, I want you in your life to offer up your life to show love, an expression of love to God through your service to him. Now, service means we got, can I tell you a nice word for ministry, service, and other words like that? It's called work. What you say? Work. That's where people sit down. But we know we've got to keep standing, keep, keep standing. Out of your love for him, he wants you to offer your life as service to him. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more. It says in Romans 6.13, the good news again says, all those who have been bought from death to life and, sur- and surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteous purposes. The Bible talks about this in the New King James. It's your reasonable service. If God's done so much for us, is it too much for me to say, listen, I need you to help me to serve in my body. Is it too much to ask? And yet, I hate to say it, mega churches will call us. They have 20,000 members. They're putting on an outdoor event. They don't have enough people to help them put it on. So they hire other people from other churches to pull off the event. And the Pareto Principle plays true not just in life. If you know anything about the Pareto Principle, this is called the 80-20 rule. 20% of the salesmen sell 80% of the product. It just goes on no matter what it is. Unfortunately, the church is below the Pareto rule. 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. It's below that. If I gave you the statistics in America of how many people serve in the church, it would make you cry. And Jesus told a wonderful Oral Roberts in 2004, he said, unfortunately, this Jesus accounting people, you know, he loves them. Most of the people in America come to church for what they can get and not what they can give. It's all about what can you do for me? What can the pastor do for me? What can someone else do for me? When you need to realize that that's the wrong paradigm. The paradigm needs to be, what can I do to help the church? What can I do to lift the body of Christ? And so we need to understand that there are blockages here, why right? we can't surrender. Number one, we don't surrender because the fear of commitment. I'm not quite sh- sure I want to commit yet because I don't know all that's entailed. One of the words we don't like is Responsibility. Responsibility. We train our people so we don't overload because we go 24-7. We hot bunk in this church. We use every room in this church for multiple things. I'm always amazed. I see these mega churches and this room is for the women's prayer group. How often do they meet? Once a week. What? 
That's like a waste. This whole room here for once a week? Uh-huh. This room here is for just the youth room. How is it? Once a week. We don't do that. You know what a hot bunk is? If you're in the submarine or the Navy, they have one bunk for three sailors. They each have different eight-hour shifts. That's called hot bunking because when they get out, you get in, it's hot from the guy who just left it. That's what we do. We hot bunk here. We're using every place. I mean, people try to squeeze something in. I have churches call me. Could we use some of your facilities because we are starting a church? I said, I wish I could do it, but we need every space we can got. Everything. And so, <laughs> fear of commitment. And the second reason is really a lack of humility. Because sometimes we feel like we're all that and a bag of chips. We're corporate. I'm on business. You realize how busy I am? How important I am? I love people like J.C. Penney. The story of Kraft, you read his story. The great cheese, man, started cheese. Or even Truett Cathy. Some of the biggest names in business. Their hallmark was humility. They all served in Sunday school. Humility. Remember the book, From Good to Great? The top 11 companies. These are you know, not even saved people. The one outstanding trait of, of the biggest, fastest growing companies in America was this. Humility. Humility. It takes humility to serve. It takes humility to honor somebody else and not just you. Humility. And thirdly, I would say people don't know what to do. And they, 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 they're not sure how to exercise what's been given to them. They're not quite sure. I don't know my gifts. I'm confused. I'm not sure what God wants me to do. I meet people all the time. I, I, I want to serve. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? We're going to try to help solve that today. Amen in Jesus' name. Uh, and so Peter surrendered his life out of love for Jesus. It was all like Jesus. We know it is life. You know, in the epistles of, which, he, which, which he wrote in Peter. First Peter 5, we look at one, he says, listen, he talks about being the shepherd, the sheep, love them, nurture them. He was all about it. He gave his life. Jesus was more concerned about fulfilling the call of God and loving God than for his own life. He exemplified what we all need to do. But let me say this, Jesus needs you. Say, Jesus needs me. Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Say, Jesus needs me. Jesus. No, yes, he does. You've got to understand that, but the only way you're going to be used of God is full surrender. Now, let me say this. I always served in the house of God. My parents trained me because they always served in the house of God. But I remember I had an epiphany. It was like, wait a minute. You know, I would do, okay, I'm going to do this or I'll do this and then I'm done. I only do certain things because my time is valuable. But it got kind of to dawned on me that every believer is a minister. Every believer has a calling. 
Every believer is called to serve. I went to my pastor and I told him this to his face. I said, pastor, I have a revelation. It was Bob Wright. I am reporting to duty, sir. He said, what do you mean? Whatever you need me to do, I'm available. Drool came out of his right lip. That's the pastor's dream. What'd you say? I said, whatever you need me to do. And boy, he took me up on it. He put me to work. I was getting phone call after phone call. Sometimes I said, are you am I sure I did the right thing? But it was the right thing. I, and I find my gift because the first thing he gave me to do, he said, I want you to do the Valentine's dinner. <laughs> I don't know about this stuff, but he called me to do it. So I said, well, if I'm in charge, I don't know much about cooking. So one thing I do know is you can't go wrong with spaghetti and meatballs. So I bought packaged spaghetti. I just cooked them all up in a big old bowl. Got a bag. I said, I threw it in there. Threw some garlic bread in the thing. And I remember this. I remember I got, and I loaned it up. and, And it was very unromantic. I just had it lined up. They had the table. I did get red and white checked Um. You know, like this. And it and was very unromantic. I said, y'all come get it. They all filed through, got it. They all sat down. There was no protocol. Eat the spaghetti. This is for you. This is a Valentine's dinner. And then, uh, and that was it. Goodbye. God bless you. I was not asked to do any more banquets. I said, they said, no. Well, I didn't know. At least I was willing. Amen. He had me doing this and that. Some jobs I didn't like. Some jobs I liked which I'll get to a little bit later. But I'll tell you one thing, it changed my life because further along down the line, I went to their Bible school and further along down the line, I became on staff. And further along down the line, I was sent from that church to here. So one thing leads to another. You know, God's not stupid. He's not gonna promote someone that's not doing anything for the body of Christ. Someone's sitting up there warming the chair. Use me sometime, Lord. I'm not gonna use you. You won't even usher why should I use you? Does that make sense? God's a good businessman. Uh, let's see, who can I promote? Well, not that one, not that one. Even though they may have a call on their life. God will not promote you unless you can show him that you mean business. But it's a hard thing. It's a surrender. The thing with me with, with, was a pastor. I wasn't doing it for him. I was doing it for the Lord. I surrendered to the Lord. And we don't like the word surrender. It sounds weak, but not before God is not. i tell you what surrender does. When you surrender to God, you step into the greatest day of your life. When you do all in, God, I am here to serve you. I want to serve people. I want to love people. I want your love to flow out of me. That's my passion. That's my desire. And you don't have, not everyone's a pastor, but I did to the point where God said, okay, I want you to pastor now. I said, I tried to talk God out of it. There was too much serving because I'm concerned. Our Lord, the limits, everything. But you know what? It's been the greatest joy. I tell you what, there is freedom in serving Jesus. I want to say this to you. The more you give of yourself to Jesus, the more that you will get everything that he ever desires for your life. It is Elisha Huffman wrote that. It says, we, um, Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest 
as you yield him your body and soul. Surrender takes humility. It takes a humbling of yourself. What, is it, what do you have to humble? You have to lay down your will. It's like a young man was once, he was, just came to Christ and he was all hungry for God. And he just knew, something told him that if he answered an altar call for full surrender, that God was going to send him to China. Back then, China was open in the early days. And he didn't want to go to China. I don't want to go to China. I don't like rice. I don't want to eat with chopsticks. I don't want it. So he left the church and ran from God. His own testimony for 20-some years. Ran from God. Till finally one day, he got to the place where God, I'll do if you want me to go to China. And the altar call came and he went and he's boo-hooing and slobbering on the carpet at the altar. Oh, go to China. You know what the Lord told him? I don't want you to go to China. I just want you to be willing to go to China. I tell God, let me say this. I tell God, I'll be willing to go anywhere you want me to go. Even places that not necessarily I wouldn't want to go. But just to cover my bases. Amen? Surrender takes humility. Then loving Jesus not only takes humility, it takes obedience. Everybody say obedience. Jesus said this in John 14, uh, 21, where he says, if you love me, you keep my commandments and you'll obey them. If you love me, you will obey what I'm asking you to do. But, but Peter obeyed. And let me say this to you about Peter. Peter was used to build up the body of Christ with his gifts of teaching, preaching, prophesying, and everything that he had in him. God used him to build up the body of Christ. Can I say this to you? There are far more needs than people to go around. For instance, I met with the mayor when, when she first came, Lori Henry, because I went, to, oh, I always go to the mayor, and I said, what's the biggest need you have in your city? I did it with the past mayor, and that's why we did many projects throughout the city. We have built things from one thing to the other. We bought a SWAT truck for the police department. We just put three, we built three fields right out here at Sweet Apple, cost a quarter million dollars. We've done a lot of things around our community. So I went to her. I said, what do you need us to do? She said, you know what the number one need in our, in our city is? She says, no. I said, no. He said, the number one need in our city are all the latchkey kids in all our apartment complexes because people, because the minimum wage, I mean, people get paid around here. If you get paid $10, $12 an hour and you live in this area, how many know that's not easy? So it takes two parents. And then even then it's a struggle. She said, so these kids get locked up and they're by themselves. And he said, all the truancy and all the violence and the crime comes out of these kids. If someone could take care of these kids, it would be a big blessing. She said, I'll even work it out with the city. That was about two years ago. Well, I got a sister, Cy, comes along last week and I got a launch. We, it, may, it may not be for the money we said, but she said, I am an athlete and I want to help kids after school and I want to do athletic programs after school. I said, okay, we'll just launch it. We got Morgan here. We'll volunteer her. We'll get other people. And that's a joke, Morgan. Morgan has worked here for a long time at our church. But I have been known to volunteer people from the pulpit. But please, it's okay. It's people that understand me know that uh, you have a pass if that's not what you want to do. However, God's really talking to you. So the, the point is this, there's always more need than there are people, even, even in the body of Christ, even in this body. There's always more need than there are people. 
And you have to realize Jesus sees it all. He sees everything. Nothing is, nothing is hidden. And, and here's the deal. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, it's all about the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 14. He talks about the fact that, that the body is not one member but many. Then the verse 20, he says there are many members but one body. And he goes on, is, is, is all an eye, is all an ear? No, meaning that he, he uses the body as this function, is that every part of this body is connected to another part of the body. It's very intricate. But what happens in the body of Christ, people don't do their job. So the foot is lame. So now we walk like this. And then no one produce, maybe they've got something they can give to the church that's not given. So now the arm is lame. And now we're trying to go for God. Crippled. And the people that are working have to do triple time because the ones that should work aren't working. And so they just, here's the body of Christ stumbling along because people are on for the ride, for the salvation that they receive from Christ, but not understanding the body of Christ is built up by your service. And the Bible says... Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, that God has set every member into the, into the body of Christ. Can I tell you, it is vitally important you are part of a local body of Christ. It is vitally important you connect to the family of God because in that connection, you get to serve and pour out what God gave you. And that's why I love you out there on the internet and, and you can serve through prayer and through your giving. But... Um, Soon you'll be coming back in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're not closing till 2021. We've been open since May 1st. Amen. And it's amazing how well we are and healed we are and blessed we are. Uh, I just want to say this. Come in. The water's fine. The water's fine. Uh, no one is dying here. Uh, it's just a wonderful testimony in Jesus' name. Actually, the air in this place is actually sanctified with these special machines. And uh, there's a slight ozone smell here, but it kills every bug and germ. So if you come in with something, it's going to get zapped. And then the Holy Ghost comes on top of that. Between the, between, that's, between the germ zapper and the Holy Ghost, you're good to go. Come on, I'm trying to help you. And so... And then God will ask you, when you obey him, God will ask you to do things that, that seem out of reach and you don't necessarily want to do. It's like Peter. Peter, take the net. He didn't tell Peter, but I'm sure he was the one leading it. Put the net on the other side of the boat. What the? Put the net on the other side of the boat. Why? Because I'm asking you to. That sounds crazy. God will ask you to do things that doesn't sound good at all to the natural man. I was, when God said, I want you to be a pastor and go to full-time ministry, it took a year of decision-making with me to work it out with God. God may ask you to sing. If you can have a voice to sing, maybe you could use it. I said, if you can sing. <laughs> but everyone has a gift. And some are more gifted than others. And some, of them have a, and some of you have a lot of energy. You can go, 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 go. Some of you are more sedate. And you walk a little slower. It always amazes me when I'm watching a car ahead of me. And we have to turn left, and here comes the oncoming car. I've been careful never to do anything or say anything because there could be a member ahead of me. <laughs> but they wait. The car's a half a mile away. No, we're going to wait. Now it's a quarter mile. We're going to wait. Then he passes. 
slowly, or we put the indicator on, we make the turn. There are people like that, that's okay. But for me, I gotta run faster. I need to have some more stuff to do. For me, give me something that's gonna challenge me, stretch me, amen? That's why we do mission trips, we'll stretch you. Amen. And so I just want you to understand how important it is that you get a hold of the fact that you cannot say that you love God without serving him. To be saved is to serve. Salvation incorporates service. And you do it out of love for God. You parents should train your children, get a job. They should be taught. Don't just go to the high school class. You serve. You tell them as this high, you serve. Well, no one else serves. I don't really care. You put the chairs up. You do the vacuuming of the classroom. You take care of it. You serve. By the way, we train our people to serve. You pick up after yourself in Jesus' name. I know some churches, people just come and they, they just leave the church just like they found, you know, trashed and walk out the door. We train you to pick up after yourself. Your mama doesn't live here. Put the tables up, put the chairs up, clean it off, vacuum it out in Jesus' name. Why? Because there's somebody coming right after you. We hot bug. Someone else may need it in an hour from now. And I can't have every work. I've got two full-time staff plus another, another half-time staff plus all kind of guests. That, I mean, other kind of, I mean, look at our payroll sometimes just to keep the place clean. Do you know how much toilet paper you guys use? Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I literally saw a pallet full of bathroom supplies. I said, Pastor, that's for two weeks. I said, dear God. And by the way, the toilet paper is our church's toilet paper. In all this pandemic, don't be stealing the toilet paper. I'll never forget. I had a member in the early days. He was walking out the church with like bundles of toilet. I said, where you, where'd you get that? Oh, from the closet. What? I said, that's the church's. He said, no, man, I have need. I just let him go. Right, but I said, Jesus, please don't let this grow too past this and so Peter had to just understand, you know what? I'm going to obey him. It sounds crazy. But what I'm telling you, when you do the crazy, God shows up with miracles. There's something about it. When you start obeying God, he will cause miracles to happen to you, financial miracles. He will help your children. He'll help your life. I always say this. When you serve God, it will ex it, what it does, it grows the very gifts inside of you. And you become a better person. It will impact you in your job. Amen. Because I tell you what, people skills is what business is about. If you can't relate well with people, heaven help you. That's why I love salespeople. When I see a salesman, I just gravitate to them. Because a salesperson has got to be highly skilled in people skills. You got to, to read people quick, fit their mode. But the main thing is, get them to see what you see and exchange your, their money for your product. Amen. It's a great business, sales. Are you a salesman? I'm not. I'm a gospel preacher. <laughs> People say, no, 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 you're a salesman. No, really, I, I don't like that right there because it's spiritual. There's a, there is a difference. But the point is this. I feel like you, could, you can be a wallflower and turn into a Holy Ghost charismatic person that's open. Amen. And I've had to deal with people. When we first started the care, I went through the whole thing. Okay, here's how you greet people. The very first Sunday, all my, my first team of six are against the wall. I'm not there greeting. I said, what are you, what are you doing? Well, we're not sure what to do. No, we, 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 we've trained you. 
I had, I had to do another training. I had to make it fundamental. I said, this is what you do. I practice, walk up to a stranger. Look him in the eye. Ask him. My name is so-and-so. What is your name? You say, then, huh? How can I pray for you? How do you have a need that I can pray for? Yes. Let's pray. I would watch them. It was like I had, it was like breaking people out of their mold. But I would watch them weeks later. Huh, my name is so-and-so. What's your name? I'm willing to pray for you. You know what? That'll impact your business in Jesus' name. You can get out of the cubicle and get on the streets and make some real money. I'm telling you what. No, forgive me. Forgive me saying that. But the point is this. It will grow you up as a person. It'll grow you up in the body of Christ. But get out of your mold. Get out of the little confinement that you're in. God's got something bigger for you. But God needs you in the body of Christ. And your fulfillment is in the body of Christ. He wants you to connect with people. He wants you to love people. He wants you to serve people. There are sheep to tend. There are lambs to feed. There are sheep to feed. There's a job to do. And Jesus asks the question all the time. Do you love me? Do you love me? Of course I love you. Then help me. Because we're all part of the body of Christ. And this body has to function every part to helping another part. And don't make excuses. And don't rationalize this. And don't just figure a way how to escape this. Because I know how good people are. They do the dance. It's like tithing. They figure out, well, you have a PhD in math. And all of a sudden you come to tithe. What now is it? Don't explain, you explain that to me again? It's so confusing. Take the decimal point, move it over one point to the left. That's your tithe. You got that? Decimal point, one to the left, and there it is. Isn't that nice to know? Why are you so quiet? You should be cheering. You should be hallelujah. I've learned some revelation. Some people just want to, I'm so confused whether it's the Old Testament, whether it should be in the New, and I don't think we tithe in the New, and, and I don't understand. Come out in Jesus' name, devil of confusion. But we got to, wait, I'm going to close this. We got to discover your calling. To, to, you know, listen to me. Life without God is life without purpose. And life without purpose is life without meaning. And life without meaning is life without hope. Our purpose is to, is to love God, and to love God means to serve God. If you love God, you'll serve God. It's our reasonable service. It's our act of worship. I tell my staff, you get paid to serve, and that doesn't count until you help without pay. When you're paid, your reward is here. But there's no reward there. It's just here. If you're paid, if you're paid. And we talk about maturity in the ministry. I have a THD. I have this. Oh, I've been in the way. 30 years. Well, let me say this about maturity. Maturity is not to be just mature. Maturity is about ministry. The more you mature, the more you'll serve. 
Maturity is all about exercising your gift to help other people. So I want to answer the question, how do I know what God wants me to do? How do I find the niche? Well, there's some good questions to ask about yourself. What is your passion? What do you love to do? Well, I don't really know. Well, just jump in and start serving and you'll find it. What is your passion? Uh, what is your past experience? Like for me, my past experience, I was raised in Africa. I'm a son of a missionary. And so my passion is missions. But that's my experience. I was raised around the world. I've lived in all, in three different continents at the same time. Before I was 12 years of age, I had lived and been to every school system in America, in Europe, and Africa. That can, will confuse you. You go to America, it's C-O-L-O-R. You go to, you go to England, it's C-O-L-O-U-R. You go back to America, it's C-O-L-O-R. Would you make up your mind? In America, you use pencils. But where I was, you had to use a fountain pen. You, were, you, you would be beaten with a rod if you used a pencil in Africa. They would beat you. You had to use a fountain pen. What if I made a mistake? You put an X and you kept on going. My math book was full of X's. X, start again. But you have to find out what's your personality. These are questions you want to ask. Because God will fit you where you are. What abilities do you have? And then you just begin to say, okay, God, I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to start to use it for your glory. And we've got to understand this. This is like, this is not rocket science, but you have to understand God wants to do something with you. And if everything is almost, I've got to get financial remuneration. Maybe you could do some things without financial remuneration. Maybe you could tell God, I'm doing this for you and I'm doing it because I want to bless your kingdom. All I know is this. The body of Christ needs helpers to be strong. And this body, I, I want to just say this. We have a, a, I'm so proud of this body. Proportionally, we have a huge number of servers. And I applaud that. But I won't be happy until we have 100%. Because you know why? You cannot fulfill the call of God on your life. Your destiny is tied up with the body. The more you give of yourself to the body, the more God will reveal the next step for you and develop the gifts inside of you. You should all be about, how can I bless this body? So it comes down to the question that he asks you today. Do you love me? Do you love me? If you answer yes to that question, then he's going to lay out before you a path. He's going to show you acts of service he's going to ask you to do. And when you do them, you're going to find a freedom and a joy and a growth and a completion of everything you're called to do. Because let me say this, your destiny is linked to the body of Christ. Do you love me? Let's pray. Father, today I thank you. We want to answer yes to that question. I thank you for all those that do serve. I thank you for those that have a heart. And Lord, we recognize there are many people that are busy. Many people have a lot of things on their plate. 
But God, I thank you for challenging each one of us today that we will rise up and begin to give more of ourselves for your body and let the body rise up and be powerful to bring the lost in, to bring the broken in, to bring the hurting in. The Father is hurting all around us and yet, God, you're looking for your body to do something about it. And so, Father, we just look to you. And Lord, we want to lay everything on the altar right now. We want to surrender. We want to surrender to you. And I want to just turn this open right now to the Holy Ghost. I want to sing that song, Grace, you get up here. And that you surrender. And that you obey him. And that you yield to him. That God wants to do a work in you. Now you have a choice. You can rationalize away this sermon. Dance around it. And escape any conviction. But if you're truly yielded before the Holy Spirit, which I believe you are, then you have to go to God and say, God, what is my gift set and how can I serve the body? What can I do to strengthen it? What can I do to help it? Show me, Lord. And it begins by saying, God, I'm available for you. I may not understand everything, but I'm available. I am available. Use me for your glory, I ask. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Let's just sing that song, just the chorus. Yes, Jesus. I tell you, all Jesus is looking for is yielded hearts. When he touches you with his love, when he shows you how great his love is towards you, and it's intense love, and he turns to you, looks you in the face, he said, I need you. I need you to help me. There's a body of believers that need your input, need your contribution, need your ability, need your talents, need your wisdom, need what I've given you, which is specific for you. You may not be the hand, you may be the foot. You may not be the foot, you may be the eye. But everyone has a part. Everyone has a contribution to make. And the greatest place of freedom and fulfillment is when you step in to say, God, use my life for your glory. This altar is here today for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to open up this altar. And I'm just saying, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm consecrating my life afresh to Christ. And I want to give him my all. I want to answer the question, do you love me? With a yes. That's not for everybody. Because we have a lot of people that are serving here already. But God's touching your heart. God's touching your life to say, yeah, you need to surrender everything. I want everything. I want all of you so I can flow through you. If that's you, I just want you to get out of your seat and come stand by this altar. As an act of consecration, 
to Jesus Christ, the head of the church. It's going to take one brave one to begin, and then others will follow. Sing it again. Let's just go. Just obey God. Just obey God. Sacrifice lay a heart, spirit control. You alone be blessed as your days and sweet breath. Before we close, I want to sing one more time, but let me just say this to you out of a heart of love. There's no guilt, no condemnation. There's no legalism here. Because if it's not out of love, it won't last. But when it's out of love, there's freedom in that. But he calls us, especially in these last days, where really... The things of this world won't matter that much very much very longer. It just won't matter. The only thing that will matter is what do we do for him. The Bible says one day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer to what we've done in our body before him. That's why Romans 12, 1 talks about offer up your body. Your body is the organ of your will. What you do with your body is what you will inside you. To say, God, I want to be used of you. Just sing it one more time. As God's speaking to you, just you come forward in Jesus' name. Just sing it one more time. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Yes, Jesus. Father, I pray for those at this altar. It takes humility to serve God. It takes humility. It takes surrender. It's a yieldedness. And Lord, I pray as they stand before you, that God, you pour out your anointing upon them. That Lord, there would be a new open heaven over their life and over their family. That you reveal new things for their life. New gifts shall begin to flow. That God, you're going to begin to speak to them about their talents and about their ministry. Let the anointing of heaven come upon them as they make decisions to serve you in whatever capacity you lead them. I thank you that they'll hear the voice of heaven in the name of Jesus. And God, I just, as a pastor of this house, I release your anointing on them. Let the fire of God be on them to fulfill the call of heaven. I pray the grace of heaven to be on them. I pray they rise up to be mighty for God. Every gift and every talent will be loosed 
that you'll stir up the heart, God, with fresh fire, that there shall be a, new, a newness to the serving of God, that you are coming with your glory and your power. Something new, something new, something fresh, that you would yield to God. You would yield to his call in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just everybody just close your eyes a minute. Just lift your hands to heaven. We're all different places in the things of God. But all the Lord's looking for is a surrendered heart. All he's looking for is yieldedness. We need to repent of pride, repent of fear, and just yield to God and say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I love you. Yes, Jesus, I will serve you. You know, Lord, I'm going to find a need in this body. I'm going to meet it. I'm going to find a hurt in this body. I'm going to heal it. I'm going to find a need or hurt in our community, and I'm going to meet it. I'm going to use, use my life, oh God, to be a light in the darkness. Let us be a catalyst for change for the glory of God. Use us, God, and fill us and free us to do that which you've called us to do. And we believe that increase is on the way as we obey you. Even when it seems it doesn't make sense, you're going to pour out your spirit. A fresh wave. Wave upon wave. Wave upon wave. In Jesus' mighty name. I feel his presence right now. God's pleased. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated, but God bless you. Every one of you. Love you. It's very real. If you'll all stand up with your cups, we're, I'm going to tell the sound people to quit fast-forwarding the clock. It's really getting me annoyed. I love that song. Is you're all on the altar of God laid. Does the spirit have full control? Hallelujah. Father, we hold up, you may pull up. Does everyone have any of the elements yet, first of all, before we begin? Does everyone have any elements? Not just raise your hand. Now listen. You know I love you, and I would challenge you with the word, but I love every one of us here. Does that make sense? I love everybody. If I've offended you, that's why we're having communion. <laughs> you can walk out of here forgiving the pastor. Myrtle, he stepped on my toes the whole time. Jesus will heal you. Lord, we thank you for the broken body of Christ. It represents our healing for everything the devil has done against our life. Physically, mentally, emotionally, perhaps even spiritually. We receive the healing. Jesus, you're the healer. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much. We receive it now. Let's partake. 
I believe for God's healing power to be loosed even now in Jesus' name. Peel back the foil. And Lord Jesus, there's love in the blood of Jesus. There's no greater love than a man has in this, than a man to give his life for his friends. We are your friends, Jesus. You shed your blood, your very life. Your life is represented by the blood. The life of God is in the blood of God. You gave us your life. We hold the life of God in our hands. Without that divine exchange, we could never access heaven. We would never have the Holy Spirit within us because of the blood. Lord, forgive us. Lord, I'm going to say this. Forgive us for things we should have done but have not done. Sins of omission. And forgive us for the things we have done we should not have done. Sins of commission. Whether it's omission or commission, Lord, we ask forgiveness. And we're asking your help, God, as we go forward in this, the latter part of this year. They want to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. That you'd use us for your glory. We want more of you, Jesus. Less of us. Till there's none of us, it's all of you. We don't want there to be a saint. We want there to be a reality. We want that. We apply the blood to our hearts and lives. And we forgive those that sin against us, even as you've forgiven us. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Father, I pray a blessing on every member of this house. Let increase come in the spirit. Let strength come. Let divine clarity come. We break all fear that people will move in faith in their ministry gifts of God. And I declare in Jesus' name that this is a mighty and a great strong body of believers that's, that is accomplishing great things for God because they know you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Bishop, I mean pastor. <laughs> if you'd come here and just encourage people about the helps ministry right outside. And tell them they need to go. They need to go this way and that way, but you can work that out. I receive it in Jesus' name. Just some real quick housekeeping. When you do leave, I'd ask that you take your empty uh, communion cups and drop them in the receptacles that will be at the doors there. And I'm going to ask that you go out this way and that you go out that way. But it's a beautiful day, and you may just want to walk back around to the ministry tents and pick up something so you can do something with what you heard today. Amen? And, Pastor Linda, do we have our guest reception today? So you're going to be back there meeting people? Wow. So if you're a guest in the house, we'd love to meet with you right out through those doors, right down to the left hallway there. Um, just for a few minutes, we just want to meet with you, have a cup of coffee, or just shake your hand, get to know who you are. Don't forget, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to be here. Don't forget prayer meeting tonight. God is showing up. We're doing some great things in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Lord, we want to get busy for you, God. We want to work in the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to serve in the house of God. So, Father, be glorified even as we go and do something with what we've heard today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you need prayer, we'll have some deacons down front here that will pray with Aaron, you and for you. Amen. good to see you. Aaron, you can sign up for this.
Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.